think this sweatshirt's too yellow. Uh, no, I like yellow. Bam, we're live. I, I, um, this uh, CEO hat, I wish I had it in yellow. I think there is a yellow one. Yeah. What do you think? Why'd you get it? There Where'd is a yellow. It? Oh, I bought, so I bought a rogue sweatshirt a while back, like this uh, khaki one I had, and I just uh -huh. loved like the weight of it and like it was a lighter weight sweatshirt. And then I just found out the product order and I ordered these off Amazon and they're 20 bucks. Oh, what do you mean you found the uh, product order? You found the actual, the blanks? Yeah. How'd that, you do that? I just looked at the back and it was just a bell attack and I just typed it into Amazon and then these popped up. Damn. And does it yeah, feel so the same? Exactly the same. That would be killer right there if it said Sevon Podcast on it. That's what I'm saying. So I got yellow, black, and blue. Oh, I like that. That's smart, smart. Yeah. I was actually wondering. I was like, I wonder if he got... Um, oh, look. Uh, Matt O'Keefe gone through transition. Marie O'Keefe. <laughs> we have Matt O'Keefe on Sunday morning. God, I'm excited to, have him, to catch up with him. Yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, it's been a minute. I, um, I uh, took... Uh, Robitussin last night. Oh. And I took That's Robitussin cool hoping that it would get me better sleep so I could sleep through the night, but instead it kind of felt like it put me into like a zombie state. Oh, weird. You know what? Like I felt I wasn't really asleep. I was kind of like having this out-of-body experience and I was kind of like looking at my face, at my lips. It was so weird. Sevy, your voice is sexy. A sick Sevy. Yeah, it's definitely got a nice tone to it. Thank you. Not like a sick, but like a, yeah. Like a soothe. I wonder if my brain is like going to be off. Like if I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like if I'm drugged up, if I'm not oh. going to have the clarity, I'm feeling a little insecure. Oh, good. I like that. Not, not because there's not because there's any signs that I'm off, but just, just in case I might be off. Right. Right. How many shows yeah. have we done with Greg now? This has got to be close to 30. Was it numbered? This one's not numbered, but the ones before were. Oh, I just got an email from Broken Science. Oh, nice. The article of the week? Uh, it just says, uh, Broken Science Community, predictive power, a measure of probability, is at the heart of broken science. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear that because that's when I think of it, that's exactly, that's like my most basic understanding. I, I'm, I got it right. You nailed it. Predictive, pred predictive power. Hey, we got a text from Greg at 541 this morning. Hi, Caleb. Good morning. We got a text from uh, Greg this morning at 541 saying I'm ready, which makes me think that maybe he was off an hour. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hey. Hey. Hey, were, were you off an hour this morning? Uh, Yeah, maybe maybe at 4 in the morning I was for a moment. Okay. Because <laughs> I got a text from you at 541 saying uh, um, link, and I'm like, uh-oh, I, I wonder if he switched time zones. Yeah, it's, I switch time zones every day. <laughs> hey what's up with the horse um it's a lamp oh no that shit. thing is a lamp yeah what's it made of it's wow is cloth. it made of clay or a cloth it's cloth and the whole thing glows can you touch it from where you're sitting no oh it's weird it looks like you can that yeah, is it's probably six seven feet behind me oh wow and where's the light bulb inside it it would have light. to be. It's not outside. It's about all. <laughs> the files are in the computer. Yeah. And Greg, the light comes out of the nostrils, or I don't get it. I, you know what? I don't think I've had it on. Okay. It was odd. I've, I've mostly just been trying to protect it from the kids. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. I, if I was there, you'd have to protect it from me too. You know how I can get. I want to touch it. You just pull it right off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fiddler. Yep. He's a fiddler. Um, I I just got an email from uh, BSI, and I just love the opening sentence right here. I just got it uh, four minutes ago. Predict, uh, dear BSI community, predictive power and measure of probability is at the heart of broken science. That means I'm starting to get it because that's if someone asked me, that's I wouldn't say it that cleanly, but that's what I'd say. Yeah, we're uh, this event's going to be themed uh, uh, predictability prediction, you know, and uh, but uh, on subsequent runnings, we're going to be able to uh, to do this around uh, uncertainty, um, certainty as distinguished from certainty, uh, randomness, chance. All these things need exploring and discussion because our common sense of them is uh contrary to how the how the world works so it's fun stuff it's neat um, we the, have we have at our fingertips material that in terms of its technicality require um just some modicum of of capacity in elementary algebra i'm talking about uh, <laughs> uh you know three months in for a c student that's a C student for, due to their interest. They're not trying their hardest. It's just how it rolls, right? Your average algebra student, three months in, um, plus a half hour uh, introduction to conditional probabilities and some and some rudiments of logic and some definitions, we can embark on a study of applied mathematics with, the, with that minimum requirement. I'm talking about something we can give seven-year-olds, uh, seventh graders, your average seventh grader. You can explore. Uh, applications of of math in the real world that are as beautiful and as profound as anything that you study differential equations or take upper division or graduate math. It's as beautiful and practical an application of mathematics with as much of the philosophical uh, 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 glow, power, and um, and universe widening uh, potential of anything studied in math at any level. And that's, that's pretty cool. That's crazy cool. Yeah. But by the way, congratulations. I'm seeing that, um, <coughs> Emily, your partner in crime on the, um, broken science was on Ken Berry's podcast yesterday. How was she? I haven't seen it yet, but I, I just found out about it and it's getting, I mean, it's getting a shit ton of views. Good. It's already up over 31,000 views. It's a live show. Wow. Yeah. It's exciting. What a great way to get the message out. Yeah. She's a, she gets it. She's powerful. She's beautiful, powerful. Uh, you know, it's a, there's a bunch of us that have been looking at these things for a long time. And for a lot of people, their entree to the world of broken science was along the areas of nutrition or exercise science or medicine. And so you kind of you kind of come to the light through some portal, and there's a there's a crazy world there, where it leads you eventually to realize that the the bulk of academic science is complete bullshit. Mm -hmm. This is off subject a little bit. Does anyone know why my comments are on the side like that? I don't want them on the side like that. All of a I think sudden, it's the setting you have down at the bottom where there's the gear and then there's all those little boxes. You, you do you see it right now on my screen? Yeah, you got to go down to the actual the 
Uh, oh, video. oh, this. Oh. And I think if you, but to the right of that. Oh, oh, one of these things. Yeah, one of the pick. No, that that no. Are you sure? I clicked all those already. Yeah. I don't know how my shit got all wonky like that. Hey, can you just pinch it in or out? Is there something you can click on to kill it? Uh, I no, I don't see any. It doesn't I don't... slide out left or right. You can't expand the uh, part no. you like to no. push that out. I'm trying. Usually, if you yeah. pinch real hard, it'll stop. God, this sucks. No, so no one else is like this. This isn't something YouTube didn't just push everyone's comments to the right. That's just my jackass shit. Yeah. Someone said turn it off oh. and back on. Here's the thing: it's on all my computers that's now, it, like this. That's how it is on mine too. It's I over on the. New, I think it's a new YouTube layout. Oh, it is. Yeah, because then you can you get all the video suggestions, and then you have the comments along the side. Because oh, it used to be where all of the video co like suggestions were just an endless scroll down the side. Yeah, you can endless scroll through all the comments if you really want to. Yeah, I don't want the comments on the side. I don't like them written small like that. Okay, so it's not me. No, I think it's everybody. It's probably some new beta, dude. This video with Emily already has two hundred ninety-one comments. For the most recent wow. comment is uh, when where's part two? Good job, yeah, it's amazing. Good, good job, yeah. This is killer. Yo, yeah, another. Let's do a part two. Oh yeah, yes, part two. There's a third one in there. Wow, wow. Send hey. me a link to that, Sevi. Okay, I will. Yeah, that's it's crazy. it's a it's amazing. Our uh, we have we have an incredible partnership, and. Uh, there's a crazy amount of independence to it. You know, we really, uh, it's a classical conspiracy where the uh, left hand need not know what the right hand's doing, and yet you're working in clear concert. Um, I didn't know anything about that. The, yeah, awesome. the, 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 going back to what you were just saying, the, the tools that broken science provides people can be applied to anything need to be applied to anything it's basically unfucking people's thinking thinking right yeah the, the fracture the brokenness of science um it, it probably has its most outward manifestation in studies that won't replicate but uh but the the part that's that's broken i mean that's that's some downstream sequela there the the part that's that's broken it's been an epistemic debasement so the epistemology is broken and to unfuck it, we have to have some fundamental discussions as to things like interpretations of probability. Uh, we need to go over uh, the demarcation problem. Uh, we need to talk about induction and deduction and give it some modern world definitions. It's pretty cool stuff. And it's entirely in keeping with the classical education with the trivium and the quadrivium of, of, of old times. So in fact, in my, in my own efforts with my kids, what I'm doing is I'm building a a, a, a base in a in a, a qualitative reasoning through uh, language logic. Um, we'll take that into plausibility and uh, and uh, on the uh, quantitative analysis, it's traditional math that goes up through what you know arithmetic, uh, algebra, geometry, analysis, and beyond. But there's a point where in the qualitative analysis, we're looking at plausibility after induction and deduction. And the quantitative side 
were in probability theory. And then the next step for both is probability theory as logic. And we get into a whole different uh, philosophy of science. And it's actually a philosophy of science that's consistent with uh, information theory, which is, God, what a, what a nice thing. I would, I would offer that, that any philosophy of science that wasn't consistent with the science of information theory is is fatally flawed and, it, and indeed it is it's a, what, that's that's low-hanging fruit is, is information theory is that something really broad or that's something that's defined that's yeah, it's, it's very well defined and it's the originally the work of claude shannon in his 20s um uh in a master's thesis uh, offered up some science that is as profound as any science ever done anywhere it's on a par with anything offered by newton or einstein in terms of practical consequences I remember Brian Mulvaney asked my father once if he knew of Claude Shannon. He says, I don't think I've worked on a project the past 30 years that did lie in part depend on the work of Claude Shannon. You know, if you watch TV, you'll Claude, Claude Shannon a thank you. And he actually gave a mathematical definition to information. And is that, is described in, gave information, uh, quantified it in the sense that it is a characteristic of 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 uh, of uh, data much the way that uh, density or velocity or made made a fundamental unit it's a it's a fascinating work and of of indescribable value and that's been added to in recent times so I, you know i'm way into the deep on here it's kind of it's kind of fun to come into a forum like this and and talk about it and then launch to the back of the material but uh our point is the broken science point is that we can march uh, uh youngsters towards a better understanding of uh let me just give you one real world example there's a wikipedia article on a uh, uh confusion of the inverse and there's an example given there of uh some uh stats around uh, uh malignancy and these guys asked a hundred physicians um what the odds are of the positive test being, uh, there we go, confusion of the inverse. It's great. In the footnote four there, they actually took 100 physicians through that and asked them based on the, the fundamental uh, values around the, the two by two matrix on that thing. What are the odds of a positive test, meaning that you have cancer? And 95 of 100 physicians said it was 75%. And the truth is it's 7.5%. Will you show that? And, we scroll back up uh, a little bit, Caleb, um, to the two-by-two two grid, I think, that Greg's referencing. Is it the second one or the, the first one? Yeah, right there. Right mm. there. And so th this is just basic stuff. It's just that two-by-two two matrix on a, on a, uh, a binary diagnostic disease kind of thing. Do we got a test and a disease? Whether you either have it or you don't, and you're either positive or you're not, and it's tested against some gold standard typically. But when presented with this data, these 100 physicians were asked, uh, uh, what are the odds that this guy's got cancer given this data? And 95 of 100 said uh, 75%. And the actual calculation is 7.5%. Uh, and the problem is, is he has, the, these physicians have confused um, the probability of testing positive given that you have cancer they've confused that for the probability of having cancer given that you've tested positive and so the probability of a given b isn't the same as the probability of b given a that's a confusion of the inverse 
And that's something that you give me a week with a classroom of kids and I'll get them sensitive to that. It wouldn't take it wouldn't take three months to get seventh graders that when if you gave them this two by two matrix and asked them to do the arithmetic, they would come out with seven and a half percent and they would understand that they can't go upstream against the probability. They can't they can't reason from the inverse. And the applications of this to the rest of philosophy of science are profound. That's why we're here. I just picked this as a place to kick down the door and let the team into the into the compound. Greg, is this, is this the example you gave me about the um, the rain and the wedding also? Yes. Do, do you remember that one that you gave? No, me? but uh, but I, you know, I just in in the in the particulars. Um. And this is basically this. These are the types of. This is basically the the foundation of uh, broken science. Yeah. No, I I don't think that's I don't think that's correct. But the errors made here in this particular fallacy, um, will take me a long way and get me deep into explaining what got fucked up in p values too. And it's the probability. It's the problem of trying to. Uh, take the probability of data and and draw inference on on a hypothesis while assiduously denying that the probability of a hypothesis has meaning we're not going to do all this here today um my promise in the broken science thing is that we can in an afternoon put you on a course of learning that in baby steps and over time will take you to somewhere profound and that profundity would begin with the with the single moment I think just realizing um, what a conditional probability is and that you can't make the mistake of the inverse is, is really important. I would be introducing conditional probability and deduction and induction and plausibility to children as soon as I can. And, and the, the message of broken science is that the failure, and that looks like bullshit cures and setting yourself up for un unprecedented and unlimited fraud. Because remember, the epistemic break in the science um, nourishes, attracts, and conceals science that doesn't work. And the way you do that is you substitute the uh, <coughs> validation through the predictive strength of models with a consensus and p-values. And it's kind of hard to unfuck someone on what's wrong with p-values in a single sitting, but it would be possible to bake into a elementary or middle school education enough training to make it so that it would be a, a five-minute explanation as to what's wrong with the p-value. Yeah. Greg, are you planning, is there any uh, thoughts about making some of these things into courses and making them yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, the uh, CrossFit curriculum, you know, these... Uh, the lectures from the lectures and the material and the notes uh uh the precipitate was the was the filmed level ones out of which derived the training manual it's a process that's a little counterintuitive i think and and other than the way people think it might work but out of this will develop a textbook and a curriculum someone needs to make a science book for kids with a whopping dose of uh of uh, applied elementary mathematics and logic.
Mm. And so is this almost kind of like uh, following a similar footprint of the L1 where you're giving the lectures, you're doing these events, and then in, in hindsight, <laughs> you're building the courses? Embarrassingly so. Embarrassingly so. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we kind of are watching the roadmap of these courses almost as the same kernel that it was. Without a doubt. That was. That's amazing. Like, I, I have been here before. Yeah. And can I, can I ask you a dumb question real quick? anything i don't think there are any dumb questions we're really there's such a start over here in the way we think about things you know like does like simple things like does the 50 50 inherit in the penny or in our uncertainty mm. and the and the implications are profound they're profound you know what is the demarcation what is that thing that divides the scientific from the non-scientific the academics will tell you it's falsification the supreme court thinks it's falsification that is part of the wrong turn. And the wrong turn, I think, I argue, I can make the point that it is perhaps the greatest unforced intellectual error in the history of, of, of human beings, of mankind. Mm. Do you, the, go, go ahead, go ahead. And, go ahead. And, and let me tell you what happened. What happened was, was academics and academic uh, uh, philosophy of science chose, chose the pursuit of certainty as a philosophy of science and success came through the management of uncertainty through probability theory especially probability theory as logic mm -hmm. and so that's that's where the wrong turn came and we're paying for it today big time you're seeing all yeah. that because it's trickling down into policies and then we saw a couple of years back that that science then turns into ways that are being our lives are being governed and everybody's following line due to appeal to authority because they they don't understand it and they don't know how to how yeah. to unravel it or use their own discernment against it against it in the in the daubert decision the supreme court hook line and sinker swallowed academia's view of of science and it's uh it's uh it's created a mess of of unprecedented uh, proportions what it does is it means that anyone who uses the courts to challenge shitty science will quickly find themselves up against peer review and the and the uh the normative standard that has embraced this this dangerous whatever it is and you'll lose standing in court you don't have expertise anymore Mm. And this is something that RFK Jr. has has uh, spoken about quite eloquently. This is a subject very dear to him. And I know it was something that was of huge concern to my father, too. Yeah. And the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court made a made a colossal intellectual error. And it's it's not unknown. Hey, this problem with p-values, let me explain something. The uh -oh. gripe against p-values is 90 years old. Their implementation is about 70 years old. Hmm. The problem with p-values was well understood, well articulated, long before their adoption. And the null hypothesis significant testing, the NHST, and sometimes it's null hypothesis significance testing procedure, but that NHST and the p-values is not even an accepted method in mathematics or statistics. It was adopted by psychology uh, departments and textbooks on uh, on uh, uh, statistics in psychology. Meaning it doesn't work. If math and statistics won't accept it, it means it doesn't work. It, it's, it's not legitimate. It, 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 uh, it, it uh, creates for a fact over certainty. You know, we talk about the replication crisis and that's simply that we repeat these, these studies <laughs> and we, we can't get the, 
we can't get the the same data. We can't come to the same conclusions. Mm -hmm. The most dangerous science will indeed be that that does replicate. In other words, you set up the experiment, you get some data, that you do your NHST uh, uh, ritual with the p-values and you get a good p-value. Um, something can have a, a good p-value and still be and, and still be of low probability in terms of the hypothesis. Right. In and fact, um, one way to get the p-value you want is just to increase your sample size. With a big enough sample size, you'll get the p-value you want. And you can you can you tell me the p-value you need, and I'll tell you what sample size you need to get it. <laughs> and then you can make it easily. Say I just need to know what the readily, p-value is. The line is readily jiggered. What question were you going to ask, Sousa? Well, uh, a lot of a lot of what we're talking about too boils down to to math quite a bit, and so uh, you know I, this is going to take this way out into left field. But I wanted to get your opinion on this. Greg, was math invented or discovered? Uh, invented, clearly, clearly. Do I need to and go back and take algebra again for this course, or this be no? Um, if your algebra's if your algebra's solid, you're good. Oh. So I need to take it again. Yeah, we'll make a video soon here. Just walking someone, just walk you through a, a two by two matrix where we got a disease. You have it or you don't by some gold standard. Now we have a test for it, and the test is positive or negative. And so you look that out, and what are the possibilities? You can you can have it and be positive, or have it and be negative. You cannot have it and be positive, not have it and be negative. And we can just play with this and 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 start doing some elementary algebra. And I can get you very quickly to a point where we can calculate the probability of being positive having a disease, but then we're also going to going to come to see that that's not the same thing as the number. That's not the same thing as the probability of having the disease having tested positive. And we can bring you to the point quickly. Like, what does it do for you if you test positive for something? Suppose you take an AIDS test and it comes back um, uh, uh, positive. And, and uh, or suppose you, you, you think you're worried you have AIDS, right? And so, and so you go and take a, a test and you get your test results back. What's, in, what's important to you? If, do you want a number? Do you want to know what the odds are of you having AIDS, having tested positive? Or do you want to know, I have AIDS, what are the odds I'm going to test positive? which is really something you're after. Let, let me put it this way. If you have AIDS, would it be, if you know for a fact you have AIDS, are you really interested in going out and getting tested to see if you're positive or negative? No, no. no. If you test positive, are, are, you, are you concerned whether you have it or not? No, you have it. Well, you test it positive, maybe not, because you can test positive and not have it. Right, yes. Like, like, a, you like, to know like a strep test. Like you can take yeah. a step well, if you don't know if you don't know whether you have AIDS or not, and you test positive, you definitely want to know the validity of the test. This right. is an odd thing to do without a chalkboard, but I tell you, you've got some choices here, and you've got a true positive and a false positive, and a true negative and a false negative, and they each have have uh, uh, different ramifications psychologically, and they're, they're, it's kind of hard to to make value decisions on them. But uh, one of the things we come to see quickly, if you think about it at all, is that a uh, a, a false positive has its a damage that's probably different than a false negative, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Imagine you go to get tested for AIDS and it says, no, you're good, man, but you don't really have it. You know, that could be really dangerous, right? You could spread right. it. You, you mean if it, says, it says you don't have it and you do have it is what you meant. Yeah, that's right. right. It yeah, says, yeah, yeah. you've got a, it's a, it's a false thing. If it says you don't, you actually do. Right. Yeah. And how about the false positive? How about being told you do when you don't? Right. And how do you trade those? How many people, how many people told, um, they don't have something when they do is, is justifies the number of people told that they, that they, uh, that they don't have it. Uh, I'm sorry that they do have it when they don't. I use the specific example of mammography. Um, your positive mammogram, uh, there's only a 7% chance that you have breast cancer. Wow. Even though it's positive. Wow. wow. So how many yeah. people have been told that they have breast cancer and they really don't have breast cancer? I, they're told they're positive and they go home and it, it, what is the impact? It's enormous. And right. this is one of the, this is, this is a, and that's a particular diagnostic test where uh, that's one of the good ones. That's one of the strong tests Wow. where I've got, where I've got a 7% uh, 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 true positive. So that means that that means that people are having surgeries. No, they're going to biopsies. They go to the next phase. There's other tests. There's an ultrasound that can be combined with it. I mean, on and on, but you're in the system now. Yeah. 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 And financially both work out well for the tester. Right. Because then you need, you need further testing. We do further testing and we find out, you don't look at the, look at the economics of the tests that say that has a, 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 a perfectly high, It's power or it's uh, 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 selectivity is 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 super high sensitivity rather. So you've got a a super sensitive test that returns 100%. It's everyone tested is positive, right? And that way you don't you don't miss any, right? That was like the COVID. That was like the COVID test. Like the yeah, yeah, everybody's got it. Yeah, the, P- the PCR test can give everyone okay. any can diagnose anyone with anything. So I so I I recommend you take a test, and everyone gets positive, and now you're told, "I'm sorry, you have it," and we're going to need additional testing, which I'm also going to let you pay me for. Mm-hmm. And on additional testing, you either find out, yeah, indeed you do. Our first considerations were were great, and it's I'm glad we found this early. Or we find out you don't, and you're happy as fuck. Yeah. Grace Patton on. Good morning. Thank you. Very generous. Thank Thank you. And it gets really crazy when they start basing uh, if you could go outside or if you could run your business or if you could take your kids to the park based off positive test results. So when you take what Greg just said and then anchor that into a real world example of what we just lived through not that long ago, a couple of years back here in California, they were basing off if we could live our lives off <coughs> these uh, positive test rate numbers. And now yeah, we just heard that the whole thing could potentially have been a sham. Well, the, it was it, potentially it was worse than it was worse than even at this level of analysis. The uh, the two by two matrix um, on, uh, you know, where you, you you have the disease, you don't need test positive or not. That whether you have it or not is established by some gold standard, and so it's against the do- a gold standard that we that we assess the quality of a test, and the 
COVID test, the PCR test got an emergency uh, provisional use authorization, an EPUA, because the two by two matrix hadn't been completed. That is, there wasn't, there, it, we didn't know what the true positive, false positive, true negative, false negative were for, for that thing because there was no gold standard that could be publicly admitted to against which they were, were testing. <laughs> and Insane. at the end of the emergency provisional use, um, they they should have. The policy was historically that you'd now no longer been able to use that thing because the emergency provisional use authorization expired. And what happened is they didn't complete the two by two matrix. There still isn't a, a what you'd call a scientific test, and and yet they didn't they didn't stop using it. And so we have something that's not even an EPUA. It's a, and and I think the problem is that the, the test may be better than they could admit to. Because the test may be working against the known blueprints of the virus. In other words, the whole issue of a gold standard could be related to the sequence of this of this virus, and the sequencing seemed to be known long ahead of any science that demonstrated its sequencing. And the science that was presented as demonstrating the sequencing was all spectacularly deficient in that the steps for isolation uh, ahead of lysing and doing the, the genetic assay were missing from those studies. So what we think happened is that someone was given the blueprints of the virus. Look, we don't, we don't need to isolate it and sequence it because we fucking made it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Just yeah. call the people at the lab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And so now the science, the science engineer where, it was, where it was analyzed looks weird and our test looks weird. And, and I, I think we know why now. Yep. Hey, there was yep. also the statistics that uh, the, this stat, this uh, that eighty percent of the people who had it were asymptomatic, and there's got to be some mathematical relevancy to that. That once something is eighty percent asymptomatic, it does uh, all sorts of other things go out the door. Meaning, you just have to presume everyone has it, and you can't do anything to stop it. Mm. There has to be some uh, logic there. Yeah, infection and transmission absent symptoms. Um, is is certainly a phenomenon of uh, uh, increasing occurrence um, due to vaccine. In fact, there's been a unspoken, it seems, effort to drive vaccines to do exactly that, to mitigate symptoms and not reduce transmission. Yep, yep. Um, hey, Greg, I want to go back to the coin thing. Um, so if someone says... Um, uh, hey, I'm going to flip this coin. Is it going to be heads or tails? And there's a there's a practical uh, sense to say um, it's 50-50. So you guess tails the first time it lands on it lands on heads, you're wrong. And then you flip it the next time and you're going to guess um, the, the opposite of whatever you guessed the first time, right? Because there's a 50-50 chance. We all quote unquote know that practically speaking. But what you're saying is it's not a, if you want to talk about truth, it's not a 50 50% chance that you could actually, it's actually the flipper because you could theoretically build a machine that flipped a coin exactly the same every time and it would land on the same side, right? And, th and that, yeah. that's vital to understanding the truth as opposed to what's practical. And all these people are, are, are falling on the side of practical. I'm trying to give it a layman explanation of how someone like me can understand it. The, um, if you want to understand Prob um, odds, it's just not true. Yeah, it's 50 /50. probability, probability 
the most useful probability is is epistemic. It's a it's a it's a rational metric of of our of what we know. And Briggs did that cool thing where he wrote down the number. He said it was between one and five or zero and five, mm-hmm. and then asked people to take a guess as to what it was, and asked them also to state why they made their guess. Mm-hmm. And what he did was had a whole bunch of different guesses, and he thought that they were all uh, good because they were conditional probabilities and they were based on some assumption that was made true or false the assumption, right or not. They were based on that assumption. And what we know is that, is that the, uh, the one in six of a, of a die isn't, isn't a random event. There's something about the toss, uh, air temperature the surface it hits the way it hit if all of that physics were controlled or understood it wouldn't be unknown mm-hmm. and so the the one in six isn't a isn't a, a a quality of the die it's a it's a it's a measure of our of our uncertainty it's what we don't know mm-hmm. and that and that would mm-hmm. change with enough exposure too but when we talk about you see this all the time in in a probability theory they start with um you're given a fair die. And what that means is that the long range limiting frequency is going to be one on one on six per side. Each side is equal. And what you're doing is removing all of the physics from the, from the problem. You're turning it into a purely a math thing and not a physics thing. But in the real world, things work very different from that. Mm-hmm. And along those lines, I know Jane Zanda Briggs, both know people that have made uh coin flipping apparatus that, you know, they can, you, they can get uh, 60, 70, 80% heads or tails, depending on the setup of the, of the machine. Wow. That's interesting. This I don't know if this is under the same thread, but it popped into my mind. Uh, when casinos put up next to their roulette tables, what the previous ones were, the increase in people gambling at the roulette table went up tenfold because they could see oh the last three times it was black so it's got to be red this time the odds are in my favor check this out to metric um any any uh uh proxy around you know, it's like the density of the felt the air temperature uh air density any of that is a felony in vegas mm, because it's all going to change the the physics which will change the yeah. probability and outcome and it might swing out of their favor It'll take it from the unknown into the known, and someone's going to get rich. <laughs> let's use let's use that example. Yeah. So so if it they is don't ri- want you counting cards, they don't want yep. you taking the temperature of the room, they don't want you doing a density <laughs> test on the felt, and they don't know which of those would even work. But they don't think that it's magic. Yep, mm. yep, yep. That's that's incredible. Yeah, same with the weight of the dice. And in fact, if you're at a craps table, different than the roulette, if you start rolling the dice and stacking them in a certain way and they see that you have a stroke and it's rolling in the same way, the pit boss will literally come over to you and say, hey, I want to see some more action on the dice. Give it a real roll like this and then toss it because they realize you're having some element of potential control because if you could just map the way that you're throwing it, have some consistency there, again, the odds will swing into your favor. So they'll force you my, to change it. My dad and a friend used to go to Harris and Tahoe because they weren't as savvy there as they were in Vegas. And neither <laughs> he nor his friend were known to the to the casino operators in Harris. Yeah. 
they would go in and take $10,000 and get a handful of chips, which makes them big spenders, and now everything's free. Yep. And they would count cards until they could leave with more chips than they came in with, and they wouldn't cash them in until the next trip. And they were able to do this for several years before it fell apart. Yeah. And they, and what are, what are these guys doing? They're bringing they're bringing some extraordinarily rudimentary knowledge into the system. Hmm. Hmm. Increasing but their ability useful. to predict it. Yeah. But Which is useful, why they don't yeah. do uh, single deck blackjack anymore. That's right. Oh, to complicate the count, uh, card counting? It's like three decks and it's in a shoe. Mm -hmm. My dad my dad would sit down at a table and they'd introduce another deck, another deck, another deck. Each hand would throw another deck in until he'd go to a different table. <laughs> what does that mean? It's in a shoe, Suzo. What's that mean? So it's like a big uh, like stack where all the cards sit and they just pull them out of there. So it's not a 52-card deck anymore. You got like 100 and, uh, you know, whatever, 156 cards. Yeah, there you go. Wow. So they load it with multiple decks in there. And Look, that Greg's one's called point, eight deck security. Yeah, and then to Greg's point, what they'll even do sometimes is, depending on how the table's going, they'll pull all those cards out, open three new packs, shuffle it, and then put three new in the shoe just right within the same uh, sitting. Wow. You know what we're doing here together is we are we're looking at probability from the gaming side, which clearly shows that that knowledge changes odds and dramatically so um uh laplace uh i believe took all probability in terms of saw it as wagers i maybe it wasn't laplace that but that's a it's a it's a it's a helpful way to see these things yeah yeah and that's why when i when we were talking about the coin flip that came to mind and i was like i think this will help anchor it for people because when you see it through the lens of a casino all of a sudden everything like comes back into alignment but then you take the same things that you were talking about and now we apply that to science and academia and people could realize oh everything is stacked in their favor in order to give them the, the results that they're looking for that's just casino hey. math, Susa. that has nothing to do with science <laughs> look up the coin flip requirements in the nfl mm. hey so the claude shannon it's invented the one Claude Shannon invented the ones and O's that computers use. Yeah, it, it formalized theory that 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 had him claiming correctly that that if it's information, it can be depicted in ones and zeros. Hmm. Wow. Hey, I want I want to sh shift here a second um, to how that can be, uh, how understanding this in its relationship to. I, I don't know if the term is cognitive dissonance, but let me give you an example. Um, uh, Foreign President of the United States Donald Trump would say something along the lines like, Mexico is not sending us its good citizens, it's sending us its murderers and rapists. And then someone would jump to the conclusion that he's racist. Is, is, there, is there a relationship between being able to think clearly between what you're presenting and and, and, and not making that well, jump the the view of science that we hold is that it's an extension of of uh, log logic language and mathematics and so you know um part of the problem there is the the beauty of a term like racism that's undefined um mm -hmm. i got called a racist by media outlets and lawyered up fast and we were we we're gonna i was gonna i was gonna get what I could for that. 
and I instantly ran into the problem that there is no legal definition of racism. And so it's kind of like they, you say you're a, you're a, you're a caca and you take them to court and sue them. You got a big problem. No one knows what a fucking caca is. <laughs> you're a dude, the bird in the Amazon. I'm quite familiar. And, and the other problem is, is that I'd already been ruled in, in it by a judge as a famous person. And that changes in New York and in California <laughs> radically the standards for going after someone for saying you're a caca or a rapist. Mm-hmm. which is defined mm-hmm. and uh in fact you have to you have to prove that their that their intent was ill will or you'll end up paying for their efforts to fuck you wow and and it's impossible and, to do that it's called a, a slap it's called a slap uh thing it was to protect media to protect to protect uh, uh the new york times and la times so they could print absurd shit and, and suffer no consequences but it, it would be a very real problem in suing someone at the New York Times for pronouncing you to be a rapist. Wow. Because that can be defined. Well, I'm saying that one can, but being famous makes it hard. Oh, okay. A slap is an acronym for strategic lawsuit against public participation. The term was coined in the 1980s by two University of Denver professors uh, who co-authored slaps, getting sued for speaking out. Hmm. It becomes a tool for media to say anything they wish about you. Mm-hmm. And, and they can just say, oh, my bad. I was wrong. <laughs> and you'd have to show that they, that not only, not only that you'd have to show that the, the usual standards, it was false and they know it, but you'd have to show that it was false, that they knew it, and that they were trying to hurt you. Yeah, that's a lot of bases to cover. It's weird. It gets weird instantly. It it wow. reduces the it reduces the court calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here we go, Greg. Here here here's the thing that um I heard this week that uh, really puts a huge scramble in the mix. So AI is getting filled with what we know. We we know that editors and CEOs of the biggest medical journals in the world and most prestigious are saying, "Hey, we think fifty percent of the shit in our journals is wrong." And, uh, and, and they wouldn't, the, the, the default position on anything you read in a medical journal should be, it's not true. We, we're hearing really big names in the space say that, you know, things that you've all, things that you've shown me, taught me, people you've introduced me to. Now, AI is taking all of this information as truth and, and, and pumping it out to the public. The public's asking AI questions and it's just, it, it, it's kind of the dumbest um, AI is like the dumbest person, dumbest person in society to ask a question of. Yeah. I, it could I be like, catastrophic. Briggs says computers are going to, and AI are going to, are going to take over the world right after a room full of calculators does. <laughs> <laughs> Those those shitty Gemini results came up. You know what they did? They they're nothing but a perfect reflection of of the way those twits at Google think. They fucking think George Washington was black. Those dumb twats think that. <laughs> he, George Washington is good, right? Black's good. Black people are good. White people are bad. Yeah, you got to make it. I mean, the computers just the 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 problem is their their algorithms smarter than they are. 
they think that if they can make um uh the little mermaid black that they can make george washington back there's black there's a complete disconnect between reality and, and their imagination uh business insider google's under attack in the wake of its woke ai disaster you know, I, I have something on my Instagram where you ask AI to show you a white couple and it and it, it, it refuses. You ask it to show you an Asian couple and it says, um, I, I can't show you, but I can describe it to you. You ask to show a, a black couple, no problem. Endless images. I can't, when I tell you that. It's a, it's a formalization of the stupidity of Google. But can you even believe and that these we're people here? Can you even believe that? Like, if I told you that five years ago it was going to be like that, would you have any thought that it was like that? That it's just oh, that our biggest platform in the world, our biggest resource in the world is just openly racist and then and it's somehow being justified? That's got to tie in with the whole broken science thing, broken thinking. Is there going to be an arm called broken thinking? My, my father uh, rallied against... Uh, postmodern science my entire adult life <laughs> and i used to rib them and joke that not how it's a post-rational epoch mm. and my joke was the truth right we're in the two plus two equal five uh my mom has a big old hairy cock <laughs> and uh, dad's getting pregnant and yeah. what are you laughing yeah. at Hey, there's. I saw medical. I saw medical schools trying. That's how far off we are. What's next? You're there. You're there. You're in (laughs) Alice in fucking Wonderland. I can't remember. I just saw an article that one of the medical schools is is uh, gonna is proposing to have all of their students take a um course on men getting pregnant. Of course. I love it. But these 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 have to be connected, right? Once you can start thinking clearly in one area, you can be you can be like, okay, like the coin flip thing is a I think is a, a huge signpost, right? Because it's like, hey, practically it is fifty fifty, and we can do the study with your kids. You can keep flipping the coin, but don't don't make the mistake of jumping to some conclusion. That that's the truth. There's a there's an infinite number of teachable moments that are all around us. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is that um, to to appreciate a uh, philosophy of science that works. Um, Bacon said that uh, he's considered by many to be the kind of the father of, of modern science, but. Uh, Bacon said that uh, the scientific method would reduce all wits to a level, which is a really remarkable thing. And uh, the philosopher David Stove said that after 400 years of of, uh, unprecedented scientific discovery and advancement, uh, a person of average intelligence would have acquired a philosophy of science that he said... uh, could be understood even by a, a drongo, which is an Australian term uh, for a fool, for an idiot. It's a bird that's common there. And it's true. And one of the things that we want to do in this seminar coming up here is what's missing from the discussion is a, uh, is a uh, useful definition of science, something that a drongo could, something that does reflect uh, uh, Bacon's observation that the scientific method would reduce all wits to a level. And 
And it looks like this. The, the process begins with observations, which is the registration of the real world on our senses or sensing equipment. You tie an observation to a standard scale with a, with a well-characterized air, plus or minus inch, plus or minus 15 degrees, that kind of thing. And it becomes a measurement. We can call that, at that point, a scientific fact, any measurement. That is an observation tied to a standard scale uh, with a well-characterized air. And if you tie that measurement to a future unrealized uh, measurement or fact as a prediction, you have a scientific model. And that model finds validation in its predictive strength. And there's so much there. And, and these, the predictive strength of the scientific model, the theory, um, exists entirely independent of any methodology. So regardless of how you came up with it, its predictive strength is it's, it does define its legitimacy or validation. Mm-hmm. And, and so back to the coin thing, there's an important distinction there because you could pr- you could build a great model around flipping a coin. We have, and it starts with assume a fair coin. And, that, and I said before, that takes all the physics out of it. Mm. What, mm. Well, when we assume a fair coin, what we do is, is we assume I still know nothing about it. Mm, okay. What um, do you do? What, suppose you suppose you flip a, a coin a thousand times and you get seven hundred heads. Mm-hmm. You can assume it's still a fair coin. No, no. What's your next guess? Is it fifty-fifty, or are you going to go off the past guesses, the past efforts, the past efforts? I would. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that the code because is because Tuesday, differently. because Tuesday, you'd use your own discernment. Well, I look I at it. And it's, yeah, seven out of ten times I flipped this bad boy and I got head. So logically, I'm going to assume that. And it wasn't the first seven out of ten, but a thousand in. I'm like, I I know I have doubts. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the guy we had on the show. He's been eating raw meat now for a thousand days, including raw chicken, raw this, raw that, and people are still telling him he's going to die from salmonella. And I'm like, how the fuck is anyone telling you that? Dorky meme guy, just eating raw meat. All all his eczema and everything went away. His egg, his shit was so bad, Greg, that he could only wear a t-shirt once, and it would be covered in blood. Went to just a straight raw meat diet, and that shit went away. And people are telling him, hey, you're going to die. People at Whole Foods accosting him, telling him he's going to die from bacteria poisoning. It's like, dude, like, didn't you just see he's done it for a thousand days? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Like, leave like, him alone. Right. He's fine. You're not going to run across the freeway a thousand times and not get hit. You are not. No, no fucking way. No man can do that. Might get hit five times. Uh, Greg, this guy. Um, you, you, you know, you, you, you leave rice out. It, um, it, you eat you eat old rice. You're not. You, you're unlikely to get sick. You eat rice contaminated with with. Uh, enough of the right thing and i don't care who you are you're fucked right mm-hmm. and so what it's nice to take some simple precautions to just eliminate that kind of thing right i i, I agree yeah i agree that's what that's what he was saying he did too he said that he, he's like i don't go to walmart and just pick up chicken yeah like I'm gonna right make sure that i'm getting chicken that's 
natural and the chickens he eat are little they've been grown you know free range you know what i mean they're not he's not eating these dumb big giant fucking safeway chickens raw yeah for the most part though he's garbage or anything for the most part though but he says he has and he's never even had come close to having a stomach ache or anything where whereas you know dr phil's like hey you shouldn't even touch chicken with your uh hands and you can't eat eggs on my chicken Hey, how about this? How about this guy? This guy is the uh, CEO of Kellogg's, a cereal that's well documented that was supposed to stop uh, masturbation. <laughs> so, uh, do, do you know about that history, Greg? That's why. That's why yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. So you're supposed. This cereal was supposed to stop masturbation, and um, and here's the CEO of Kellogg's. Check this out. This guy. This guy's basically shitting on your in your previous life's entire work. Here we go. <laughs> category has always been quite affordable and. It tends to be a great destination when consumers are under pressure. So some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. we got to reach the consumer where they are. So we're advertising about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. The other places that we like to go is we talk about making sure we have the right pack at the right price in the right place. So having a different size pack that will have a different price point That'll take some pressure off the consumer while they're shopping. So those are some of the things that we're doing. But in, in general, the cereal category is a place that a lot of folks might come to because the, the price of a bowl of cereal with, with milk and with fruit is less than a dollar. So you can imagine why a consumer under pressure might find that to be a good place to go. Right. I'm all for innovation and marketing, but the idea of having cereal for dinner, um, is there the potential for that to land the wrong way? The cereal category. Oh, we don't get to see how he answered that. Di <laughs> Damn. Oh, oh we, no, uh, just you know, try it. It's a, it's fun to have breakfast for dinner sometimes. <laughs> uh, CEOs Gary Plinick appointed in October of 2023 has a tenure of less than a year. Total year yearly compensation is four million. A uh, 19 percent salary, 80 percent bonus. Um, he, this guy's fucking pushing diabetes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If the consumer feels pressure, they can. Uh, if you can't afford food, real food, eat uh, cereal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not bothered by it. You're not. Tell me, talk to me. Tell me how you're not bothered by That's it. That's funny. That's what I was going to go to. Tell me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Compared to what? You're just like, hey, free markets, let it roll. But he's this still. Is, but it's. But is, you still wouldn't recommend anyone eat cereal for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. No, or by, or probably listen to anything that you'd hear that guy on. How who <laughs> right. who, who right. heard that message and where? You know, <laughs> but but look, is there anyone that is there anyone with half a brain functioning that doesn't know this has not been the internal discussion at Kellogg's for a hundred years, and so now now we're stupid enough that we can hear what they say inside, right? <sighs> What can we do so that cereal's not I remember just Stern, for breakfast? I remember, no, 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 no. David Letterman went into a donut shop when he used to do these on the street things, and these these Asian cats are running the donut shop, and he's asking, "What's the what's the recommended daily? Uh, 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 what's recommended? What's the RDA on donuts?" This guy's, "Oh, well, it's uh, five, maybe six every day is what you need." You know, That's of right. course he does. I get why I think this guy's a fucking asshole and poisoning everyone. He's <laughs> selling fucking donuts. The fucking asshole is anyone who thinks this is the guy should be giving you an RDA. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's where I was going with it. Like, are we surprised that the CEO of the cereal company is telling you to eat and buy more cereal? Like, where's the shocker there? He's yeah. Basically, he's trying that, to make it so you don't feel weird if you have cereal for dinner. That's basically what he's doing. A lot of people do it already. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to tell everybody. It's P- okay pe- it. People who are under consumer pressure. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, consumer pressure. Yeah. People funny. who are under consumer pressure. It's okay. You can eat. Um... This is the to stop masturbation. This meant vegetarianism is also meant for combating what's considered the de- debilitating scourge of masturbation. A scholar, Vern L. Below, writes, Kellogg's was an inheritor of the 18th century uh, tradition, which held that masturbation led to a host of ailments and then insanity. Well, I got to tell you, you know what? Load up tell a bowl me. of cornflakes with milk and some chopped up strawberries and, and hold that bowl and s- scrape that shit down and try jerking off at the same time. It's harder than, <laughs> it's harder than smoking a joint. Rolling a joint, drinking a beer, and driving a stick shift. So I, there's probably some truth to it. That, is, that you're right. That is easier. I've done all that. Uh, the the latter. Yeah. Ma- mastered that. When both hands are being used, what are you gonna do? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Damn. Look, I don't don't expect the fucking guy from Kellogg's to come out and, and give you some fucking nutritional advice. <laughs> He's not paid to do that. Uh, I think he's. I think he earned his bonus. I think he earned his bonus. He's he's sitting there signaling humanity on a massive platform, uh, and and there were in the, that's what the WHO should be worried about, if anything. Yeah, not that I'm suggesting they should censor him, but it's insanity to well, recommend listening to him is. Well, yeah, yeah. Hey, but a lot of people still think Kellogg's is healthy. I'd rather you. I think you'd be healthier eating cereal hand over fist than reading the New York Times. Mm. Mm. Well, hey, well, you'd be doing less damage to the world. The people who read the New York Times are definitely doing more damage to the world. That's a good point. God, what a shit rag. I enjoy it. Oh, my gosh. Hey, guys, I got to run. I got to be down at uh, fire station number four this morning. So... Just wanted to come on and, and hang with you for a little bit. What are you bringing a workout to him, Matt? Yeah. So today, yep, that's exactly what we're doing. Today we'll do uh, some just kind of rehab mobility stuff with him, and then we'll do a little strength training session at the fire station. And yesterday I was down with uh, about 20 of their uh, academy recruits, and um, we kind of just went over some uh, basics of their uh, um, squat, hinge, overhead press, we scanned them, got their skeletal muscle mass, their uh, body fat percentage, so we have a nice baseline. We went over a little uh, quick mobility assessment to see if there's any glaring holes that'll come up for potential injuries, and um, uh, went did that with them today, and now I'm with the actual firefighters at their fire station. We'll enjoy that. It's good work, man. We're going to be doing filming I with them it. soon, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk to the guys uh, today and see if we could get a camera in there so we could start filming and showing kind of exactly what it is that I do and, and how it helps them out and stuff. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, dude. Thank Caleb, you. Caleb, you said you said next to nothing this morning. How are you, kid? <laughs> Bye, guys. Great. I'm, I'm really enjoying my time with you. It was fun. Good. His you word his you. word his word count is is way up. Uh Greg, I, I don't know if I'm gonna um uh ruin this story, but he, uh Susa had a really good contract with the fire department. 
and or with the fire academy or some fire organization there and then the leadership changed and um he thought he was gonna lose it right and they came in and they re-signed him up and uh he goes way above and beyond he shows up there more often than they pay him um he does more for them than they ask for and uh one day the new captain came in and just gave him a like an enormous bonus on his contract just because he saw him in there uh, going above and beyond it's a it's a great story of uh what's it called he he the dude shows initiative it's why you know what i mean you only are going to be what's the saying you're only going to get successful if you do more than you're paid for successful yep. people only do more than what they're paid for yeah over deliver that's where your market edge comes from um you know orange county fire authority uh within several years of being in the in the academy there there was a significant reduction that more than covered the cost of the program in their workman's comp in that single metric. What was the program? They were doing- uh, Orange County Fire Authority. And, and they their their CrossFit program. Yeah, it was the it was the training academy for all uh, fire departments in Orange County. And you just, the, you just had like an L one trainer or somebody go out there and just train them for a couple times. Oh, uh, we did we did seminars with them over and over and over again. That's awesome. It's kind of like what I I could you see them doing it with Dave right now, where he's going into the the army units and starting to teach them the the elements of movement. And I can't imagine the impact that'll have on uh, the military healthcare system because I can't tell you. So I used to work in the military healthcare system, and you just have endless amounts of like, oh, I have low back pain, my knees hurt, my shoulders hurt, and all this other stuff. And you just have people who they're not taking care of themselves. They don't know how to take care of themselves and they have no way of implementing. Uh, they just don't have the infrastructure for it and they don't teach people, yeah. teach people. So. Well, they've, they've reached a CrossFit and the uh, NSCA and the military have reached a compromise. And I think what they're going to do is implement CrossFit and probably eventually call it NSCA. <laughs> and, and Dave and Ben will, will Roger up because they're, they're you know, because the, they believe in the mission and however they get the materials good who cares what you call it so there's a competition there the nsca between the nsca well, crossfit crossfit was dangerous until you took the name off of it now they're now they're implementing so they're not calling what they're doing there crossfit no wow wow that's interesting and the company's excited by it um because it, there's a little revenue associated with it I mean, wow. I you know who's who's going to have the balls to stand up to someone as high ranking as the guys that I did and go, look, dude, your fucking goggles say Oakley, your boots say Danner, your fucking sidearm's got a brand on it, but you take the CrossFit off of shit, you know? Well, it's uh, not what an integrity they... issue. This is that this was higher ranking Marine uh, personnel. They were, it was explained to me that they couldn't call it CrossFit because they couldn't promote the brand. And I said, the brands of everything you use are all around you. Cry precision. And you're not taking the brand off. You're not removing Oakley from the goggles. Yeah. Look, that looks like a Beretta. Is it? You remember? The, are those standard boots? They've got tags on them that say, so why are you taking the CrossFit off of shit? I don't care if you do or not. I had a guy explaining to me that they couldn't do that and then pointed out the window from his 
General's headquarters, the beaver box is out in the yard. Yeah, the beaver fit stuff. And I'm like, I, I think that's, I think you're promoting a brand out there. That was sprouted from CrossFit, basically. Yep. Of course. Yep. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, every gym is outfitted. Yep. Out, every every gym is outfitted with Rogue stuff or Beaver Fit in the outside. Like shit, we went when I was deployed. Everything there was Rogue or Assault Bike or everything was something that sprouted from CrossFit. That's fucking Good. crazy. Hey, the, hey, the same thing happened with NASA. Do you remember that that um, event, Greg? They weren't going to uh, use the word CrossFit. It's okay that we won't announce the fuck, fuck you in your space station. And they said, okay, yeah. we will. I said, okay, we'll do it. Yeah, that's a great story. What happened? They, you, you were you were a partner. We were, we were told we couldn't contract with the Army without doing GS, GSA. We started going through the GSA process. I go, fuck this. And What's then GSA? Uh, General, Agents, General Services Administration. Uh -huh. And what you have to do is have a have a compliance officer and and it, it, it obligates you administratively to an enormous amount, an enormous burden just to deliver what? Do the same thing we've been doing all along. So I told General Abrams, we we will participate in no such thing. We'd rather not have the business than be like this. And Atlantic Dive Supply, who fucked over Tony Blower, was uh, was supposed to be to help us through this thing, speed steamroll us, uh, streamline the process of the GSA application. And I said I wasn't going to do it. I would we're not we're not going to do the GSA thing. Sorry, we're not we're not going to sit top heavy with admin admin like that. And then General Abrams says, "Oh, okay, I'll just write checks." And he did. He wrote U.S. Army is a U.S. Army checkbook. So he he'd buy he'd buy twenty, thirty, forty certs at a time for sixty guys at a time and write checks for it. Wow. God, it's so cool that you stood yeah. up to that. Shit. You got all you got all these rules and regulations, but the generals can at some point do anything they fucking want. I know the general at Fort Hood was had, it, Grimsley was shut, shut down the base and the main drag on the base. And they were doing PT in the road to get everyone's attention. And this, I mean, thousands of cars were going up and down that thing. And he'd shut it down for an hour and do PT out there. And I said, isn't that, isn't that going to be a problem? <laughs> and he says, there's, it would be a it would be a dereliction of duty for anyone in DC to pay any attention to anything I'm doing for fitness. In other words, we we're past the point where anyone cared, which was really cool. And he too could write checks. Uh, um, it was the CrossFit Games, and they were going to start the games from from the space station. The guy was going to go That's say correct. three, two, one, go. Yeah, but he couldn't and... say CrossFit. And so uh, Greg and Dave told them, okay, fine, then we won't use you. And then they're like, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> wow. But, but we, we could do we a don't whole really... show just on our visit to NASA. Say that again? We could do a whole show just on our visit to NASA. Hey, how underwhelmed were you by that visit? I was seriously underwhelmed. I just wanted to hear the story about the, the shuttles blowing up. Like mm. the inside gouge on that. And so I, and I got that. Yeah. Let me tell you about the O-ring. Or whatever it was that was like overexpanded or. No, there's this. Dead. You know, when the one blew up, they saw, they knew. But the uh, the one that blew up over Texas, the second one. Mm. Um, With the the sonic boom. No, no, that was the first one. Oh. The sonic boom was late. And so the. 
everyone knows before anyone knows. Like it, it, the the lateness of it means that it's no longer there. And so they're like three, two, one, boom, uh oh, nothing. And you don't even need more data. The thing was coming in hot and now it's not. <laughs> Holy shit. And so what they did was have to, you know, because all the families there with the balloons and everything. And so they had to empty out all of the all of the NASA employees all go downstairs and, and the grief team comes upstairs and breaks the news to everyone. So it was interesting, sad, horrible thing. If you have a GSA contract, you have to have a grief team. <laughs> you have to have a compliance officer. I mean, you've got to, you know, <laughs> you got to be doing things right. According to you them. Have to have, with the right genitalia and skin color for every, was, for every mission. I was going to say, I know that, that it, it, I, I wonder if CrossFit has to deal with that. I wonder if CrossFit has to send a certain amount well, of like, it obligates you to check and then, it, and yet you can't make any kind of discernment from the check. So you need a certain number of women, but we pulled your pants down and he's got a cock. And you're like, maybe that's still a woman. You don't know. It's the thing is really tough. You can't do that. That's illegal. You can't be like, okay, the government <laughs> says I got to have five women. You're going to have I to don't, pull even told me they used to do dick checks. Oh, at the Olympics? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that what the urinalysis is? They just take a gander real quick? They're like, oh, I don't dude. know. I don't know. It's gotten, now that, now that mommy has a cock, I'm not paying attention. Wow. There's no point in listening. Everything's possible. What do you hey, think the, about that new lunar lander, Greg? The one that they just put on. Yeah, was that ours? We did that. Yeah, it was a private contracting company in uh, in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, good. And what they do? They just landed something. Yeah, I think they just put some experimental stuff up there and said we did it. My dad was a twenty-two year. Uh, uh, signature to the surveyor pro proposal. He was 22 or 23 years old, I think, on the on that. And uh, this is in the in the early and mid 60s. A bunch of young engineers at Hughes were putting robots on the moon. Hey, and that so it it sounds like it sounds like here in 2000 and uh, and uh, 24, we've approximated some of the technology of. Uh, 1964 took us long enough uh into uh it, the, it's pictures like this that get the people talking that we don't that this is all fake i mean <laughs> look at that what is that gold thing i, I think that they, they wrap there's they supposedly wrap the lander in some in gold because it's keeps everything temperate inside or something i can't remember Odessa's touchdown about 190 miles from the moon's south pole on Thursday, February 22nd, becoming the first private spacecraft ever to land softly on Earth's nearest neighbor and the first American vehicle to do so since the Apollo mission in 1972. We just got a few a uh, few new looks at Odessa's epic descent thanks to three photos that Intuitive Machines posted. How do you only get Look at what I just sent you, Sevy. You and Matt on that. Oh, um, is it okay if Caleb pulls this up? Yeah. The, sur the surveyor program. I sent it to you in your uh, text too, uh, Caleb. Okay. Solar panel, planner, uh, planner array antenna, 
oh, TV camera. How weird is it that they lost so much of that shit? The Surveyor Program was NASA's program that from June 1966 to January 1968 sent seven robotic spacecraft to the surface of the moon. Wow. Its primary goal was to demonstrate the feasibility of a soft landing on the moon. With an extraterrestrial body. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, the mission called for the craft to travel directly to the moon on an impact trajectory in a journey that lasted 63 to 65 hours. A JPL selected uh, Hughes Aircraft in 1961 to develop the spacecraft system. The program cost $500 million. Whoa. Is your dad's name in here, Greg? No, but he was a—he uh, wrote. He was part of the original proposal. He was the youngest member of the team. That's incredible. And I remember each of the each of the landings. I mean, I was just before my tenth birthday on that first one. And so for us, the uh, lunar landing um, was a little bit anticlimactic. Because you've been following it so long, all along. Well, I mean, we've we've had no problem putting things on the moon and making what soft year, landings. What year was the um uh the the man mission? Sixty nine. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I get. I never. That's so funny. I never thought of that. I guess that's really important—a soft landing if you're going to send a dude there. So they did it in three years. They started the first one in '66 and they landed it three years later. Yep. Wow. Yep, that's incredible. Um, when when we where did we go? We went to Cape Canaveral. Is that where we went? The Apollo twelve crew, which landed near a Surveyor three, had grabbed it and brought it back. Oh, really? Yeah. All seven spacecraft are still on the moon. None of the missions included returning them to Earth. Some parts of Surveyor three returned to Earth by the crew of Apollo twelve, which landed near it in sixty nine. Mm. I, I know what my father's that. contribution to that effort was. He got him to use uh, the lunar landing spot as zero zero in the coordinate system. And because the Earth is a geosynchronous satellite of the moon, from the moon, the Earth's always in the same spot in the sky, just like your direct TV satellite. From our position, um, the, the moon's constantly moving. It's always in a different place in the sky through the evening and, and on and on, right? But from the moon, you look up, you always, from your spot on the moon, you see the Earth in the same spot in the sky always. Oh, that's a trip. And so the, wow. the equations, the math became much, much simpler by using the landing spot, the intended landing spot as, as your zero, zero coordinate. Oh, wow. Greg, where was it that we went? Which Which space station or which uh uh i don't know what you call it astronaut headquarters nasa headquarters did we go to we went to uh, nasa in houston which what's that one called kennedy i don't know yeah uh yeah cape kennedy that's the launch area we went to their headquarters yeah you know what it felt like to me it felt really unsophisticated almost like 1970s 1960s russia the place felt empty. The buildings felt old. The equipment didn't seem very um, well, they, advanced. It, they it, took it, us through. They like preserved an, all of that, all of that uh, command and control for the lunar landing. Yeah, we went into the command center. Where and so that it, that had a that had a very old look to it. 
But I mean, even remember the rooms we went into where they showed us their equipment and we got to test some of their like workout equipment out. I mean, it just felt. Yeah, they have an impossible workout scenario in uh, at the International Space Station. You can't even jerk off. Yeah. It creates a harmonic that uh, will rip the wings off the thing. And so that people jerk off and they have men and women, there'll be an alarm will go off. And they've got, there's a repetitive movement coming from this part of the space station, uh, you know, and you, yeah. like fire alarm goes off. You push they them said out it, of, like foot tappers, people that just like nervously tap a foot, you know, like, like the calf. Calf raise up, down, up, down, up, down, jiggling. You know what I'm talking about, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yep. Yeah, doing right that now. movement. That movement will show up and set off alarms in the space station. What if you had an erratic jerk off movement, like two fast strokes, one slow stroke? You don't want to set up a, any kind of harmonic oscillation that amplifies what you're doing and expresses the thing on those on those extended arms of the space station. Yeah, he said it would snap those solar panels off, right? Yeah, we break the arms of the thing. You just bust it up. You don't. Who me? Everyone. You, you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. Those those arms are solar panels, right? I think I remember him saying. It's that. uh, there's a there's a lot on it. Plumbing. The thing couldn't be more delicate, and it's it's assumed that there's not much force acting on it. You create those forces, and the thing doesn't hold up. Uh, how the hell do they run on those tre treadmills then? They had uh, where uh, they had this. Um, they had all these really primitive like looking shocks like you'd see on an F one fifty underneath them and shit. Yeah, and they got them hooked into straps, and it was it was ridiculous. And it doesn't really work either. Oh yeah, that's right. They had the guys hooked into straps. Hey, pull that up yeah. a second, Caleb. Put treadmill in space. See if. Yeah, it's a mess. I can't imagine they, anyone they, uses that. They shit. brought us in because they couldn't make anything work, and they thought we'd have some answer. And we said, "What you need to do is send up really, really fit guys, and then bring them back." <laughs> you know what else? It's really no different. It's no different than it's no different than the, uh, you know, the ODA. The uh, uh, guys deployed under conditions so austere, so so unfavorable that you couldn't do anything but recommend not working out to that face yeah you just train them really hard before they go and then dude we like it she's like we don't have we don't have water we've run out of food and we haven't slept in four days i'm like well how about forget the workout yeah just scrap it just try to exist for four days <laughs> right right get home <laughs> <clears throat> There are no age restrictions for NASA astronauts, Corp. Astronaut candidates have ranged between the age of 26 and 46 and the average age being 34. Candidates must be U.S. citizens to apply for the program. That's probably not true anymore. There are three broad categories of qualifications, education, work, and, experience, uh, and medical. I think, I think the average, average age of astronauts has skyrocketed. Come on. Dogs and monkeys have done it. Right. Good point. The, the post that SpaceX made with all the, the next set of astronauts, so they look old as fuck. They do? Yeah. Let's see if I can find it. What do you think? The, I, I wonder if, if there is some... I wonder why... Do we know why we went to space this last time? Why we went to the moon? Is there some... I think they're some... trying to make the moon like another launch pad to go to Mars. That's the idea. It's like if we, can, if we have a way to get closer, we can use the moon, the moon to launch us to Mars, basically. 
That's kind of, and so that was. I'm going to guess it. It looks like China and Russia are planning on deploying ICBMs to the moon. That or how about wasn't Iran or Iraq claimed the South Pole or the North Pole this week as part of their? Why country? not? Why not? Caller, hi. Not good morning, guys. Hey, good morning. <clears throat> um, I'm just getting uh, able to catch the show now. I was coaching my nine o'clock class at my gym. So if you've talked about this, I apologize. Um, my question for Greg would be, have you ever heard of the book Ordinary Men about uh, soldiers and Nazi guards in World War II? Oh, hold on. I accidentally kicked Greg off the show. Fuck. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> uh, Greg, come back. I saw a second window pop up and I, and I tried to remove it and it got rid of both of them. Hold on. Greg, come back. There you go. Hey, that was totally my. Hey, that was my fault. I saw a second window yeah, pop man. up and I accidentally kicked you off, Greg. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, go it ahead, might have relaunched. It was Ordinary Men. Have I heard of it? Yeah. Um, about, and I heard Jordan Peterson talking about it. And it's about how, you know, we look back at history and how, how can, how can a regular person do what the Nazis ask these you know, regular people who were Nazi soldiers, how, how can they commit those atrocities? Um, and it's just, you know, simple increment, incremental steps that they took. And, um, my, my question kind of relating that to the border problem here in the u.s is at what point do these border security guards who say they're just kind of following orders at what point do they say we're not following these orders anymore we're stopping these people or we're deporting them and to you know to hell with the consequences of that if you had any thoughts on that well i i do and it, it probably comes back to the uh to the uh uh I think that the removal of, of soldiers from SOCOM and elsewhere, the pressure that my friends at LAPD SWAT are under to get vaccinated, I think those that are leaving um, rather than, than uh, acquiescing, I think that's grooming a, uh, a police force, a military that is ready to go door to door and kick down doors and drag your children out and vaccinate them. I think the the process of making uh, uh, monsters of ordinary men is underway. There's there's no one at SOCOM that I know and respect. There's no one I know in law enforcement that thinks that the quality of the uh, of the uh, uh, operator is being increased by driving out those that that. Uh, aren't willing to knuckle under to this. I, I thought it's interesting that sure. you used, I thought it was interesting that you used the border. Um, what about just the acceptance? Yeah, what Greg was saying, people grabbing people's kids now, the government grabbing people's kids um, and, and us accepting it. And it, it, it's going to, and it's happening uh, more and more every single day, faster and faster. And, and it starts off with a few people saying, hey, it's not happening or it's an isolated incident or there becomes some justification for grabbing people's kids. And then next thing you know, it's just normal. Hey, hey dude. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at, even at look at the abortion people issue. People start to push back. Even look at the abortion issue, dude. Even look at the abortion issue. For some reason, yeah. for some reason, it's okay to uh abort a baby 
Yeah, I just saw that there was a quote from one of the top Border Patrol agents. I think it was just this morning or yesterday, an article talking about how the, you know, specifically Biden and and his policies are responsible for American deaths because of illegal immigrants. And it's like, if you know that, when is your, well, right, we all knew that. But at what point is it your responsibility to not uphold those unlawful policies hey dude, i think the i think homeland security ordered the uh border patrol the customs and border patrol people to resist the texas national guardsmen at the takeover of the station there and i think they refused and walked gave it to them our supreme court told texas they couldn't put up the uh laser <coughs> wire at the border and i think they said yeah okay we're almost finished Hey brother, yeah, I, that's crazy. I, I recommend I recommend this book right here. Um, it's a comic book. Um, it's called uh, uh, "Mouse: A Survivor's Tale of a Father's uh, a Survivor's Tale." My father bleeds history. Um, it's two books. Uh, it's an easy read, and it's a it's a story, a, a tr- true story of a guy in Nazi Germany, uh, a Jew, as the shit went down. And you'll see in the story that basically, as they start just slaughtering these people. Um, they they turn on each other, right? It basically I always like to yeah. I always like to depict it as is like, hey, we're gonna throw fifty guys in a swimming pool, but the surface um can only have ten people at the top. And so no matter who those fifty people are, they fight to the death to be one of those ten people at the top, and the other in the other forty right. drowned. I mean, it's horrible. It's a great book, but yeah. it, it basically goes into the psychology <laughs> as when shit hits the fan, people will do anything. And uh, and it's it's kind of like that right now. Shit's hitting the fan for some people, so they'll do anything. I mean, dude, think about it's just it's just basic common knowledge that eating Kellogg cereal will kill you, and people are just eat, and, and give you a lifelong misery with type two diabetes, and people are still just consuming it. No one gives a fuck. But it's got a heart symbol on the box, Sevy. I know, right? American Heart Association. <laughs> hey, it goes back to the oh. discernment. It goes back to using your own discernment. Right. How about the school with the shooter in it um, and the police didn't go in? And hey, and none of the parents ran in either. Everyone just yeah, fucking right. sat there with their thumb in their ass. Yeah. And I kind of... And, and I'd, yeah. I'd imagine if that was your kids, you would have been the first one in there. I hope so. But fuck, I don't know. I've crum- crumbled under pressure before too. I've, 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 I've felt the pressure of, um, of society and not done things. Yeah, but, we all like but, to think we're the hero in the story. But, but but I've also been somewhere. I've also been somewhere with where there's a thousand people standing around while a woman beats the shit out of her daughter, and I had to run across three lanes of traffic, and I was the only person who fucking yanked the mom off the daughter. But that was in Berkeley, California. It's not really that hard to be brave there. <laughs> you, you're just dealing with a bunch of pussies. So, all right. Well, I appreciate the thoughts, guys. Have a good day. Yeah. That mouse got great reviews too. I was just not that the numbers mean a lot to me, but it is interesting. It's an amazing book. I think it won the Pulitzer. It's great. You you bought this for me, Greg. Yeah, you bought, it's it's you well known. It's a great book. book for me. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna see you soon. I'm seeing you on the uh yep. on, on the fourth. Yep. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for dealing with my scratchy voice. 
Thank you, Robert. How are you feeling? You sick? <clears throat> I'm better. I'm significantly better, but I've been taking a lot of like just shit like Robitussin and like I've been snorting Sinex like I'm a fucking Coke fiend and um but the good shit. Cheating cool, shit. I'm, hey, I'm about to go to Silver Spur. I have him jealous. Hey, what are you doing? What where where are you and what are you doing? I'm in Telluride. You can't see out the windows, huh? No, is it Teller? I always I, is it Telluride or Tell Telluride? I hear Telluride. Telluride, okay. And what are you what are you doing there? Kids are skiing or? Kids are skiing. They're out on the slopes right now. Wow! And, and you're gonna hang. You're, we got you're, to see Leaf. Hang with Leaf and uh, Danielle. Already? Yeah, yeah, a oh, couple that, times. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, super cool. Uh, how's the and town? That's Mount Ajax in the bottom, twelve thousand feet. How I see it right out the window. You can't. There's uh, there's something on the image here, and it was interesting. Before I got into the studio, just on the regular uh, laptop image, you can see the mountain behind me perfectly in perfect form. Um, the place looks beautiful. Hey, so that's just a little tiny town nestled in like a little canyon, buddy. I'm telling you, man. These Jackson Hole, Vale, Aspen, they're they're all kind of the same. Uh, do you like it? Is it cool? Jackson Hole's pretty commercialized. Is this a little less commercialized? I got the impression this is it's, more small uh, town. It's liberal. It's gay ski week. Oh, um, is it really? Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh my. So it's it's like your own genitalia ski week. Yes. That's fucking and, unreal. Uh, That's unreal. Uh, Did you know that going up there? Oh, I, I know, I know. Did you go the there politics. for Gay Ski Week, Greg? I won't judge That's, you. In, the timing's perfect. The timing's perfect. I'll blend right in that way. Oh, man. Everybody will just think you're like an old gay man. That's oh, right. Man. Oh, I have so seen cute. more dudes with long gray ponytails. <laughs> and then the, and the chicks all have short hair, right? Yeah. Yes. The bobcat. Oh, Every, and they're missing all the dudes are missing hair up here, but they've got the horseshoe and the ponytail yeah. out back. That's right. I don't I don't mind gay week in San Francisco, but why does that like why does it, it needs to jeez? I don't mind it anywhere. I do. And someone I do. was grousing to me about when Rosa Parks became conflated with RuPaul, and I had to tell him I I would not support a system that makes the tranny sit at the back of the bus. No, me neither would I. Neither would I. But but in, in but here's the thing: like I don't think it should be outlawed or anything. I just don't want to support it. I don't want to support. Uh, well, of course I don't know. I also am not interested. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want any of my resources going to having a party for any sex week anywhere. That's what bars are for, or whatever. Go to school and meet a girl or meet a guy. There doesn't need to be butt fuck on the week slopes. Sorry. I also don't want to uh, distort or complicate the miracle of the of the difference between sexes. Right. It's a it's a it's an amazing thing, and it's a uh, it's a uh, rudimentary to everything important about us. Why don't we have and... Gay Week at the border? <laughs> we only let in gay people. And we only, hey, you know, that's something I could almost get behind. No pun intended. 
I would rather I'd rather let in uh, uh, gay people than straight people. How's that? That's how open. That's how against gay people I am. If I could make every male in the world gay, I'd have already done it. Right. Well, you could get a job at Kellogg's. <clears throat> All right. Thank you, Greg. Have a good one. I'll talk to you thank soon. Thank you, see guys. You Everyone. All right. Bye. Good to see you, Greg. Ciao. Good to see you. Did you kick him or did I kick him? You did. Oh. I don't kick I don't kick anybody. You don't kick Greg out? Definitely not, Greg. <laughs> did you think did you see this thing from uh Raven Simone? Do you know who Raven is? Raven Simone? A singer? No, she was like an old uh I think it was Disney Channel. She used to have a show called That's So Raven. No. It was like like my age anyway. I only know the Mouseketeers from like the 70s. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, she was on Oprah and she told Oprah that she wasn't African American. She was an American. She's just mm. American. Mm. She's like, I know I'm black, but I don't know if I'm like I'm not going to claim African because I'm American and so a bunch of people are just fucking pissed about it. They're saying that, like, doesn't she know that she's African? She's like, sure, but like, she doesn't know her lineage, and she claims to be more American than she is. Can't you just choose? Yeah, right. But people, but her her black fans are pissed that she said that she's not African American. But everybody else is like, duh, you're American. Raven Simone. I'm gonna look her up. That'll be great for the next show. Um, I think there have been openly gay um, male athletes in the games. Yeah, the roots. The, the root. guy also, I can't remember his name. I think it's Nuna Costa. I think he also, I think that dude won the gay games. The gay games? Yeah, the gay games. I can't yeah. remember who went and filmed that, the gay games. There's some funny jokes around the gay games. Like, how do you prove you're gay? I wonder if they have that problem, like the neuromuscular division. Okay. Let me see. Are you tarted or not? <laughs> Let me see. Are you gay or not? Oh, yeah. yeah. Alex Smith. Isn't Alex Smith is openly gay? Yep. Meredith Root. Alex Parker. I want to see some openly straight athletes. I want to we... see, see someone play tonsil hockey with Alexis Raptus. We should have Taylor go to the games and say, hey, I'm the first openly straight athlete to go to the games. I'm the, yeah, I don't think Taylor's, I don't, I need proof that Taylor's straight. I'm not even joking. <laughs> oh yeah, Con, we have openly bi athlete, a uh, Con Porter. Yeah, there you go. Sure. No, Olsen, he's not gay or straight. He's uh, non-binary, abstinent. First abstinent. Yeah, <laughs> abstinent athlete. I can't see no. Hold on, let me close my eyes. No, I can't. I can't see Noah having sex. Nope. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. No. Nope. He he probably just lies very closely to his mate. Noah is not a poop stabber. Not at all. He's he's asexual. That is not true. I could I could see pool boy though. Yeah, I can see Pool Boy doing some gay shit. Oh shit! I saw him doing gay shit with me, and when I close my eyes, I'm like, uh, I feel to close my eyes for. Quick, a, huh? I'm gonna close my eyes for a week now. <laughs> that was like some Freddy Krueger shit. I was trying to, I was closing my eyes, trying to get Pool Boy to do some gay shit, and it was me who was doing it too. Fuck that. 
wow, I got to be careful. I got to talk to my editor. He's stabbing your poop in. <laughs> uh, I opened my eyes before we got there, but it was, I could think of, I think it was going there. I think I was going to take one for the cradling team. the balls a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I don't know what I want to tell you. I got to make the news today. The news is going to be great today. Uh, I'm going to give you guys uh, the mayhem, the mayhem empire and Dave Castro uh, declared war on each other. It's just open war. It's always fun. Yeah. Though that's really just uh latent homosexual suppression. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see. I'm going to close my eyes and see if I can see Dave and Rich. Oh yeah, quick! I just closed my eyes and I can see him in the '69 right away. <laughs> Angelo in the corner watching. Uh, they're they're laying they're laying on a bear rug. They're rich killed. <laughs> they're pouring olive oil all over each other. Holy shit! Wow, I didn't even know I could visualize. <clears throat> Ken Walters clickbait. Ah, yes, but true clickbait. No, Haley didn't declare war on mayhem. But uh, but we got we got a we got we got uh, shots being fired over the bow. Big big stories, big stories, big big news, big news day, big news day. And hey, uh, that'll just leave more room uh, for me to film, uh, more access for me at the games. Um, there's also um, there's a great video that um, mayhem speaking of mayhem, mayhem media just put out. They did that Heart of Mayhem 1, and now they have a Heart of Mayhem 2. It's about this chick summer. This one, this is really good. Better than the last one? Uh, yeah, significantly. I think it's significantly better than the last one. Sevi, uh, you have really thought this through. Sounds like not the first time you thought about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chug some Castro olive oil now. Hey, so are the implications that they're teaching CrossFit to the Army, but they're not calling it CrossFit? Sure. Yeah, I think that's kind of what Greg was getting at. Someone needs to ask Dave that. Because I think I want to say that Dave, like the, they're wearing what is it called, like Apex shirts? They have those shirts that say Apex on them or some shit. They're like they they're not going around in seminar staff garb. They're going around in this. Oh, Dave already talked about it. Uh, Clock says Dave said as much. So as so so yeah. said as much. No, maybe. I don't know. I haven't looked that close into it. Oh, Facundo, and we got an openly gay coach. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Openly gay. I'm gay, but I'm just not openly gay. I'm I'm really the uh unicorn. I'm gay, but I'm not openly gay. <coughs> oh my god. So I'm going to have to go to this crazy breakfast place right now and I'm not going to eat anything because I don't want my sinuses to get all fucked up. You know what I mean? I'm trying to be careful what I put in my mouth. But this place has like the meat lovers omelet and there's going to be pancakes and Oof. there's going to be fat motherfuckers everywhere just chowing. My kids are going to be chowing. Sounds amazing. I'm so old I'm not even like sexual anymore. We don't, uh, we don't, we don't want pre-recorded episodes. We want live ones. Seriously, 
You guys, listen. Is that? Are you fucking serious? You don't think the news is cool? I just sit here and I just read off 10 things real quick. It's going to be cool soon, too, because I'm going to it's going to look like a news show. I'm, I'm going to I'm setting up another part of the studio, different camera angles, a kind of a different sign. I'm waiting for you guys to buy me a news, new news sign. Um, and they'll be like uh, it'll go back and forth between me being little on the side up here. Like it'll be like, you know what I mean? It'll be like they'll be like when I talk, I'll, I'll be oh wait, like, let's say Caleb's the news. I'll be over here talking and it'll pop up, but there'll be all these cool graphics around me and shit. Selling you paper street coffee and Matuthian. Oh, my Matuthian came. Oh, my Matuthian came. I'm stoked. I don't like the lid on the Matuthian. And I don't know if I'm ready to tell uh, Dale that yet because they got it out so quickly and it's beautiful. I don't know when you yeah. give the feedback. I don't know when you're like, Hey, I don't really like the lid. What's wrong with the lid? It's it's like a child safety lid. And so I just I don't oh, care yeah, that it's like child safety. It. Yeah, you have to press and turn, but it's mm -hmm. a, like like a little loose. And maybe he's gonna be like, hey, we had to do that so it actually seals so it's better than mm -hmm. other lids because then we get an airtight seal. I'm not sure what he's gonna say, but I don't like when I to the hand, and I'd like it to be just a tiny bit more salty. But man, it's so good. I I'm not being a pussy, dude. Listen, my 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 wife says talking to me is all about timing. It's just, I'm just, I just want to time it right. I just want to time it. I mean, they, like they just killed it. It's killing. Get some feedback on it first. Has anyone else gotten theirs? Yeah, your charcoal and eggshell should arrive tomorrow. Yeah, I love mine. I just got mine yesterday. I ordered it like the rest of you fools. I went online. Yeah, you, so, okay, so you like, it's my only news outlet. Also dig the Sevy after dark feel. I like putting in stories like the, the double toilet and shit, too. I need to put in some more, like, Trump stories, but there's so much good CrossFit news. I try to keep it, um, Andrew has a rule for me, between 9 and 15 minutes, basically. The Sevy after dark, con that, that explains it well. I like that. Yeah. I, oh, you ordered both flavors. Hey, I got the um the peppermint flavor. I didn't get the regular flavor. I need to get the regular flavor. I think I I would prefer the regular flavor flavor. I would have never said that toothpaste that tooth powder leaves your mouth feeling minty fresh because mostly it just makes your mouth feel really clean. But um they they use this they use peppermint oil, and it actually kind of gave me a little like a little zing. Oh, Jeremy World, great question. When is the Medildo scene coming out? <laughs> uh, uh, Riley asks, why does the CrossFit website suck so bad? I could answer that, but I want to do the behind the scenes next year. All right. See, <clears throat> uh, oh, there, oh, I think there's some shit happening today. Oh, here, um, God, Thursday is going to be fucking crazy, you guys. Do you guys know about Thursday, how chaotic Thursday is? I need to make a new show just on the open and tell you all the crazy shit that's happening. Basically, Thursday before the open, we're going to go live. And then the open's going to happen, and they're going to do some sort of workout, and then they're going to do the open. So we got to that's going to be kind of interesting i wonder i hope they pull that off i hope that's not a shit show 
And then after that, we're going to go live on the Sevon podcast. But also, listen to this. We're going to go live because uh, Bryson's going to do a workout, and Dallin and Taylor are going to watch it, and I'm going to be there too. And we're going to and we're going to test the cameras and, and talk, and they're going to talk shit. It's basically like a face off. But we're also going to get to see Bryson do it. Bryson's the guy who wears the giant fucking Craig Ritchie shirts uh, when he works out. Like his dad, he's wearing his dad's night shirt. And then, but at the same time, Pedro, don't tell anyone this. I don't want anyone going over and watching it. So don't share this with anyone. But Pedro is going to be live with Tia Toomey. Ur. And get with the programming's doing something. Oh my goodness. Busy. And then Friday night, you guys are going to have a horribly tough decision. I feel so sorry for you guys on Friday. Friday, on one hand, you're going to have the Lone Ranger prod podcast and Rad doing um, something with the Open. But on the other hand, <laughs> you're going to have Taylor versus the world. Oh, my God. You think they're just going to set up a camera and just start filming people doing the Open? Just random people? I don't know what they're going to do, but. I really, I really, I, I love myself some uh, savage ones. I love it. Thank you. All right. Um, easy choice. I'm watching Danielle Brandon. Is that who they're having? Danielle Brandon. Good call. You run over there. You run over there and you watch those. You watch those Danielle Brandons. We'll be over here holding down the fort with the savage ones. All right. Um, so you guys. Oh, no. Is there? I feel like I'm, I'm forgetting to tell you guys something. Whatever I forgot to tell you, I'll uh, I'll tell you on the news, which is coming soon. Okay. Bye-bye.